Francisco 49 is deep in the heart. Like Joe Montana in the corner, deep Clark. Garrison Hurst, stiff form going 99. Don't get it twisted, one and all with prime time. John Taylor, Jerry Rice down the sideline. NDB, greatest owner of all time. Gruden, Walgren, Bill Belichick, where all students of Bill Walsh don't ever forget. I'm Lee Gowland. I'm Brian Davis. And this is the 49er Faithful UK Show. Hi guys, and welcome to another episode of the 49er Faithful UK Show. On today's show, we preview the upcoming game against the Cincinnati Bengals, and I'm joined on the podcast this week by Naji Kira. Hello Hi. Naji, how are you? Hi, I'm good. I'm very good. Uh, weather's shining, and we've got a W, so everything is fantastic. How are you? Yeah, you can't complain about either of those. I am mm. fine. Uh, the weather is also shining up in the northeast of England, which is a rarity. So I've got to be happy about that. Yeah, yeah, it's a rarity anywhere in England, pretty much, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong there. So, Naji, do you want to tell us a little about yourself and how you became a 49ers fan? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I'm maybe you'll you'll hear it during this podcast. I'm French. Uh, I moved in England about uh, 11 years ago. I live in Manchester, and uh, I became a Niners fan uh, very, very young, actually, uh, in France on a Wednesday afternoon. Uh, there was a, a highlight show, which I used to catch when I was about uh, probably six or seven years old, uh, every Wednesday, because kids don't go to school on Wednesday afternoon in France, uh, or they didn't used to anyway, it might have changed now. Uh, so I used to watch that a lot and uh, always enjoyed it. It was uh, I always enjoyed the sport and uh, the big hits and the big plays. And obviously back then it was it must have been uh, 91, 92. Uh, the, the Niners were a dynasty and very much in contention with Dallas. So they were talking about it quite a lot and about Steve Young and Joe Montana and Jerry Rice. And being a kid, you always uh, follow the team that wins because that's what you do. And uh, it's stuck ever since. That's, so that's how I kind of, kind of got to, to it. And, and I've got to say, California is a, is a nice place. You know, with the Golden Gate Bridge, which you see in every movie. So, uh, yeah, I, I kind of got to my heart and, yeah, that, that was it, basically. Have you ever been across to San Francisco? I have, yes, twice. I have twice. Yeah, so you, you know from experience, it is a lovely, lovely place. Oh, it's 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 absolutely amazing. Uh, I would happily live there if it wasn't so expensive and so far away. <laughs> yeah, you're not alone in that. I would do exactly the same thing, but it is incredibly expensive because I've checked. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I have to. I have to. The first time I went, I think we uh, window shop for a real estate agent, and we were quite amazed by the the price of even just rent, which is absolutely ridiculous over there. But Nice places tend to do that. <laughs> yeah. So how long ago was the last time you were in San Francisco? Uh, I was there in, oh, God, I don't even remember. It must have been four years ago. It was the second year of Levi Stadium. It was the Super right. Bowl 50 year, so whatever that year that was. Uh, so when the Super Bowl was in Levi's, uh, I was there. And which game was that? Uh, we went to see a beautiful game between uh, the, the Niners and the Rams where Blaine Gabbard was starting, I believe. Meaningless game, uh, last game of the season, I believe it was. Uh, I think it was week 17. Uh, so that, nice. that was my first Levi's game. But luckily, uh, I was there two years prior to that and was uh, at the stick for the last game uh, ever. 
the pre the last season game anyway. Ever. Yeah, the last regular season. So you were yeah, there for yeah. the pick at the stick. I was there for the pick at the stick. Yeah, which obviously was absolutely incredible. What a day! You know, wow. for years I could have picked several Super Bowl moments as being my favorite moment in in Forty Nine er history. But all of those were wiped out by that pick at the stick. And and the reason for that, because it wasn't particularly a meaningful game other than it was the last ever game at uh, Candlestick Park. And when the Falcons were driving down into the red zone, I actually felt physically sick to my stomach because yeah, I thought we were going to lose that game and I thought, that's it, it's over. We're not going to stop them now. So when Bowman pulled in that uh, interception and then ran it back for a touchdown, that became my favourite all-time memory. I was just so elated. It was unbelievable. And yeah, I think it was it, purely because it was the last game of Candlestick. Yeah, you could tell there was an electric atmosphere there on that day. There was there was something special in the air. and uh, It's one of those moments where you, 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 you think, you say, oh, we need to stop, we need to pick, we need something. And it, it just, you never think it's going to happen, and then it just does. And I remember the stadium erupting, and I was hugging strangers right next to me left right and center and <laughs> it was incredible yeah. absolutely incredible yeah you're not wrong there right so before week one i had the bengals down as a road win for us and then they surprised me with the performance they put in against the seahawks last week they kept it close until late and were unlucky not to get over the line this is the first meet between the two teams since 2015 when the Bengals ran out 24-14 winners at Levi's. The 49ers hold the overall head-to-head lead at 11-4, with two of those wins coming in Super Bowl 16 and 24. Therefore, I don't particularly think any Bengals fans would have a soft spot for the red and gold. I haven't prepared any offense or defense stats for this week as we've got limited data to make them useful at the moment for this season. And I don't particularly like to use last season's stats. So, based off what we saw against uh, the Seattle Seahawks, who do you think are the players to watch on the Bengals' offense? Well, it's a a surprising one indeed because they passed the ball, they tried to pass the ball 51 times, which, uh, as you say, in the past doesn't matter, but uh, we would have never expected the Bengals to do that because they do have Joe Mixon, which I think is probably their best weapon with AJ Green now um, and he's, he only carried the ball six times which to me was very very surprising in that respect I still think he's the main uh, their main threat although if they are going to go with 51 passes I think John Ross and Tyler Bod are, are we need to look after them obviously John Ross is so fast it's incredible uh yeah he, put, he ran a he, four two two in the 40 yard dash four two two yeah it's it's one of those guys a bit like uh aaron goodwin that could probably make the american sprinting team if he wanted to uh so having that kind of talent on the field is is obviously always scary because on, on one play at any point you could just you could just score from anywhere on the field uh so i think that's the, the three we need to look after uh the most, definitely. And, and I'm glad that AJ Green isn't there because that would be actually a very, very scary offense otherwise. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Um, so on, on the offense, historically, and when I say historically, I'm talking about the last two, three seasons, we've always struggled with tight ends. And the Bengals have Tyler Eifert, who performed at a 
at elite level between 2014 and 2016. But his production has slipped since then. But I think he's still going to be a threat across the middle, especially when you've got somebody like Andy Dalton, who has been consistently good, not great, but good. He's had a couple of seasons where he has performed at a really high level, 2015 and actually last year, when you look at his stats, he was performing at a high level. But he's generally seen as a game manager rather than an explosive elite quarterback that can consistently open up defences. So I think there is an opportunity there to make the most of some players that aren't elite. Um, you've mentioned the wide receivers, John Ross, ran a 4.22 four, uh, in the 40-yard dash during the um, draft. He's going to cause us issues. Tyler Boyd had a really good season last season, although his first two seasons were mediocre at best. Um, but that's not to say he's going to pull in another elite season this year. As far as their offensive line is concerned, they've got a couple of tackles that aren't great at all. Andrea Smith and Bobby Hart didn't particularly rate very highly um, over the last couple of seasons. Smith flourished in his early years, but he's been consistently poor in the last four years. So I think that gives an edge to both Bosa and D Ford to have big games against these two. I think this is where we're going to attack their offense best by having the pass rush, get at Andy Dalton and make him make a mistake. Yeah, I agree. I think I think he, he, it would be good for us if if the if Andy Dalton wants to drop back fifty times during a game with with our front seven. I think that would give us the big chance, and that's why I'm a little bit concerned about Joe Mixon because they might have a game plan for Seattle and completely change the book on, on when they play against us. So Zach Taylor is a really young coach; he's never coached before, and um, we don't know what he's going to do. But uh, yeah, I agree. I think I think our front, our front three, and our front seven in in general, it needs to dominate to to put this game away. So you mentioned Joe Mixon. Um, I, I tend to try and grab him in fantasy football to sit on my bench and sub out my starters. But they haven't only got Joe Mixon. They've also got Giovanni Bernard, who's been a relatively consistent back since entering the league. He, he's now in his seventh year. And it has slightly reduced in production over those seven years, but not by much. He's still playing at a very good level. So you've got that one-two punch of Mixon and Bernard that, that we need to deal with. And based off last week's showing against the Buccaneers, our run defence wasn't great. We, we allowed the Bucs 121 yards over the ground. Whereas when you look at the start of last season, we were only averaging 80 yards rushing against us. We, we did a lot better against the rush last year. You say that, but uh, I don't know if you've watched the, the Thursday night game yesterday uh, between the Buccaneers and and, uh, and the Panthers. And I, arguably, the Panthers have got a better defense than we do. And the, the, the Buccaneers still managed to put a decent amount of runs and, and long ones on, 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 the, on the Panthers, which means, which tells me, and I know it's only week two and it's speculations, but... I think holding the Bucks to uh, to what we did in that game was a pretty good uh, performance, all, all in all. Um, so it, it's it's difficult. It's difficult to say. But you're right. The thing is with Giovanni Bernard, I think, uh, is that when he's on the field, you know what's going to happen. He's not going to run the ball. It's more likely going to be a pass play. And I think for us, because of our pass rush being so good, or at least better than it's ever been, um, I think that will give us an edge 
in in this game. But I, I'm I'm not. I think I think our run defense is very good, and we we lost Alexander, which was all over the field uh, in the first quarter. He made free tackle in ten minutes. Who knows how many he would have made if he uh, didn't do that? A slight unfortunate hit on uh, on Thomas. <laughs> <thing. Yeah. laughs> so, so I'm. I'm glad you actually mentioned um, last night's game. So we, we came away from Sunday night showing against the Buccaneers and there was a lot of us worried about the fact that our run game was never, ever established. We, we weren't particularly good. Obviously, Coleman had that injury very early on and I think it was a it looked on paper to be a poor showing in our mm-hmm. Russian attack. But then the Bucs go away to the Panthers, who have a very good Russian attack, and they basically stem their rushing attack. I think they had 41 yards total rushing, the yeah, Carolina they, Panthers. They, they, they did shut down Michael Free. Yeah. Very good. And Michael Free is elite, I think, in, in my opinion. is next-level kind of guy. And, yeah, he couldn't, he couldn't get it going at all. So, I, I, yeah, I think, I think our rushing attack will be all right. Uh, it's a shame that we lost Coleman. Um, it reminds me about the preseason when we started signing all these running backs and people were a bit, oh, what's going on? We've got 17 running backs. And then now we're, I'm quite happy that we've got so many, really. Um, but I, yeah, yeah it's I, worked I, out think, well. I think you're right. I think, I think the Buccaneers have much improved uh, from last year. Last year, their defense was absolutely terrible. Uh, but now that they've got Todd Balls, uh, uh, they are much, much, much better. And yeah, I think our, our running backs played really well against them. Uh, we, we, we did break some good runs when we needed to, and we just, uh, all overall, I think it was a good performance. And, and the time will tell, but I think we'll be all right. Last year, Breda was rushing leader for what, six weeks, seven weeks. And he that, was, that's, yes. That's, no, that's not a mistake. It's, uh, I'm, I'm sure he can, he can do that again if, if he wanted to. Well, I'm definitely confident because I'm starting Matt Breda this week in my fantasy team. I think he'll pick up the yards this week. Yeah, I am too. I am too, definitely. Especially with Coleman now, that he's going to get a lot of touches. I hope his ankle is, is okay. He's been yeah. this, this questionable, but I'm guessing that's just typical uh, cautionary practice yeah. designation kind of thing. Okay, so moving over to the Bengals' defence, there are matchups that will determine the game. Where do you think those matchups are going to be on the defense side of the ball for the Bengals? Uh, I, but they've always had a very good uh, D line. Uh, you, you know, Dunlap and and Geno Atkins have always been extremely, extremely good players. Uh, and, they've, and they've picked up Preston Brown, which I think was probably one of the best Bills defender last year. Um, yeah. They they have got a very good front seven. Although I would say it's probably aging a little bit. So I think. Speed might might be a problem for them. I, d- I didn't really watch a game against the Seahawks, so I don't know how Chris Carson was able to uh, run the ball against them or not. But I, I look at the player, and there is nothing that you know jumps at me saying, "Oh, we need to be careful about this guy in particular." I think they I think they've got a, go- a good group of people. They're all very good, but there isn't a Luke Kickley out there or JJ Watt or you know somebody that. I think will make a massive difference just by himself. Yeah, and, and that that corresponds to, uh, or that aligns to what I've put down in my notes about the the Bengals' defense. 
So on defense, I've got the Bengals front four very good as a group, very good and could cause issues. You've got Lawson, Hubbard, Atkins and Dunlap. And then just behind them, you've got Brown. And it, it makes you wonder, I mean, our, our weak link is going to be Richburg in the center who hasn't really lived up to the potential he arrived with. And he has had he had a poo season last year. He didn't grade very well on Sunday's game against the Bucks. I think that's going to be a weak spot in the O line. And then you're going to have both Person and McGlinchey on the right hand side, who are going to be tested by both Atkins and Dunlap. Um, hopefully, both of those can come through that quite well. Person he, he had a great game last week. McGlinchey made a few mistakes. He, he had the two where he didn't line up correctly. That's a basic mistake which. He should get round. I don't know if that's just lack of gameplay. Um, it, it was disappointing to see that, but it's not something that should prevent us from handling the likes of Atkins and Dunlap. No, I agree. And uh, I don't know if you catch up the the stat that uh, Jimmy was the second fastest QB to get rid of the ball. Uh, his, his release is absolutely amazing. Uh, I would. I would point you to a, a YouTube video by a, a guy, Brett, Brett Coleman, about Jimmy. Oh, yeah. Uh, which will tell you about all his mechanics and everything. And his mechanics are so tight and his delivery is so fast that it can negate a little bit of this problem on the offensive line. And I think I think that's going to be a big key. If, if they're going to try and rush us, the fact that Jimmy can get rid of the ball in an instant uh, should slow them down, which gives us... A bit, a bit of a, a, a better chance to stop them, I guess. But uh, uh, yeah, McGlinch is, is, I like him a lot. I think he's growing at a, at a steady pace. You can tell from when he came into the league and and, and to now, he, he's making the old mistake. But in, in week one, it's not something to be too worried about, I think. Um, and then obviously we still got Joe on the other side, which, um, uh, how long is it? I hope he plays forever. <laughs> he's, he's, he's so good and it's, it's yeah 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 I agree with you there but uh, sadly I think potentially this season might be his last season I hope I'm wrong but I think yeah, it might be. I hope I hope you're wrong too I think he's, he wants I think he wants another shot at the playoff and then that's why he's been sticking around for so long uh, yeah I, I think if we make it to the playoff and we get a decent push in he, he might go otherwise i don't know who knows he might keep on playing hopefully and then, and then even if he stops hopefully he'll, he'll stay around because he he's a top guy that, uh that picture of him hugging robert Sala after the game was uh so, so it was very good he's just so passionate about the game um and and for so long and with such you know class and dedication it's, it's commendable with when you when you know when you hear about people looking for the biggest contract and and all this and this guy has been just coming in and doing his job and not complaining about anything and he could have demanded more money he never did he just got it because he was he was there and doing his job yeah the, he, yeah love just said he's very good and uh he will definitely be in a ring of honor when he, when he leaves eventually yeah, without a shadow of a doubt, he will be. Yeah. So back to the Bengals' defense. Uh, they've got a couple of safeties there that are capable of causing us issues when going deep. They've got a second-year player, Jesse Bates, who had a fantastic rookie season, but he endured a bit of a torrid uh, week one against the Seahawks. I'm kind of hoping he's experiencing the same kind of sophomore slump that hit Witherspoon last year, and we mm -hmm. can take advantage of it down that side. 
It should be an interesting battle against both Will Jackson and Drake Kirkpatrick as well a uh, cornerback with Jackson putting in a lead performance in his rookie year and, and only just slumping to damn pretty good in his sophomore year. So again, against Jackson, uh, there was another Bengal that had a torrid time against the Seahawks. He didn't really pull it out, but looking at the first two years that he's been in the league, he's been a very good quarter, uh, cornerback for them. Yeah, they've got a again. It's it's a solid, uh, you know, it's a solid DB group. Uh, Kirkpatrick was very good at college. Uh, don't think I don't think he's quite made the leap to the to, to the NFL. I mean, he, he's obviously a good player and he's still in the league, but. Again, it's not this kind of player that, you know, it's not Ed Reed out there where you, some, or Troy Polamalu or somebody you have to account for. They, they will make plays if you give them the chance, obviously. I think at this level, any safety or corner that plays in this league can do that. Uh, but I, I don't think we their game changes. Uh, although, yeah, you're right, Jesse Bates had an amazing rookie season. But the Bengals were on defense quite a lot. And... You get more chance of being good if you have 70 snaps a game rather than 30 because your offense is better than... Uh, yeah, you're right. It you, does inflate your stats a bit. It does. It does a lot, yeah. Um, so, uh, again, I think I think they've got a very good defense, um, but it's more of a group thing, which, which is what you want, really, when you play defense. It, it's good to have a superstar that can do everything, but it's good to have a, a group that can, you know, play together. That's usually strong defenses there. But nothing that jumps at me and scares me and say, oh, we need to stay away from this guy and throw to the other side. I think I think we will be able to take advantage of all of those players. Yeah, I think we've got enough players now that other teams are scared of to give us that ability to at least find one, maybe two of them open at the same time uh, and give us a little bit space when we are on offense. Yeah, so, so for instance, for instance, I don't think anybody on this team can match up to, to George Kittle. Uh, I mean, nobody can in this league. But you, you look at the league and you say, some, this guy might be able to match up a little bit with him. But I, I know I know for a fact that George could easily beat all of these guys and, and make them miss and, and score some touchdowns. Yeah, he, he has played at an elite level and he continues to do that after week one last week. And I think he'll continue to do this as long as he's healthy. And I really look forward to watching George Kittle on a weekly basis. I think he's a fantastic player to watch. He takes chances. He's tough. He's fast. He can catch the ball. He's got safe hands. I think he's an excellent tight end. And at the moment, I'll already say I think he's underrated by analysts who still put three or four tight ends ahead of him. The likes of Kelsey Gronk when he played last season. Um, Zach Ertz, I think Kittle's better than them all at the current uh, moment. I would tend to agree, although I would put Kelsey above above the above the rest because I, I think they're on the same on the same step. Both of both of these guys, Kelsey is reliable as as it goes, and uh, and and with the offense they have, it's I think it's more of the case of you you know that. Something's going to happen in Kansas City because because of how the offense operates, and you know that Kelsey is going to be a, a, a guy. So that's why the the people put him above him. But no, no, I agree with you. I think especially this year, I think Zach's last game uh, against the Redskins didn't show much. 
to me anyway. I've got him on my fantasy team and he, he didn't do much for me. And when I watched the highlights, I didn't think he was as good as he was. And I think um, having Deshaun Jackson hurts him a little bit, but it's a, a, another topic for another time. Um, and then Gronk, Gronk was Gronk, you know. He, he made one play last year and it was the best player of the year and he gave yeah. them a ring. So it, it's a close race. I, I, think, I think all of those guys are in the same group of elite people. Um, but yeah, I agree. I think I mean, let them sleep on, on George Kittle and let, let him rip 85 yards touchdown week after week and then maybe sometimes he'll get recognition. But, you know, if people want to sleep on him, that's that's their problem, not ours. It's it's nice to have a, a player like that on your team for once and not being scared of, you know, when you know, when you're, you're going to play, uh, you're going to New England yeah. and you play Gronk, you're like, oh, this is going to be a tough watch. But it's the opposite for once and it's quite nice. Yeah, you're right, it is. So, obviously, winning the game is not just about the individual matchups or the positional battles. We also need to look at what we do better than what we did last week to actually win the game. Can you think of some things that we need to do better this week than last week to make sure well, that we do get the win? Yeah, I think that's going to be quite obvious to everybody that's listening to this podcast is when you stop shooting ourselves in the foot by uh, getting penalties for no reason uh, when the plays are already happened and what did we lose three touchdowns because of holdings or yeah, three touchdowns or, called back three touchdowns and i can think of a, a good run as well that was called back because of a hold uh, uh, we, we just need to stop doing this uh, to, to ourselves every time we we get some momentum and a positive play you, you see laundry on the field and you're just uh, you can't help but sighing and throwing your arms in the air and uh, what what now what's next so i think i think that's that's the main case if if we can cut down on on mistakes and shooting ourselves in the foot, then if 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 the team is better and they beat us and we played our best game, then so be it. But if we lose a game because we've had ten penalties and two hundred yards against us, then that's it's it's what ifs, isn't it? It's just oh, if we did this differently, then we would have won more games. But you've got to put every yeah. chance in, in your court, especially when you're a struggling team or, or rebuilding team. You, you you can't afford to. To lose plays and to you know to, to not make plays because you know drops and stuff like this you, you just got to make every chance count every point counts and every yard counts so um yeah the big the big one was all the penalties but um it's week one it's hard to say whether it was the ref being a bit tighter to make sure the game wasn't getting out of hand or us making actual mistakes um uh, hopefully it'll sort itself out eventually with playing time and more padded practice. Um, but yeah, that, that's the big one for me. Do you think Shanahan needs to open up the playbook a little bit more for Jimmy? Because it seemed to be a little bit limited last week as though he's trying to protect them for the first game. I think that's what Shanahan has always done. He's, he's got, you know, uh, his plays has already planned in advance, his first two, three, four drives, depending on balls and positions. It, this is, and that's why Nick Mullins was so good last year, because he knew what was going to happen before it happened. It's just, we're going to run this play, and then we're going to run this play, and then we're going to run this play. And then you don't have to worry about what the defense is doing or what. Um, uh, yeah, I do agree. He, he, he might protect uh, Jimmy a little bit, but I think he needs to. Jimmy showed us on that particular pick six that Maybe he needs a bit of protection. That that throw was was terrible, and he tells us in preseason they wouldn't make these throws. They only makes it because it's preseason and he's trying things. 
and then he does it in, in the first game of the season. So I don't think he needs to open up the playbook. At the end of the day, we move the ball well enough, and, and when your defense is in control, you, you don't need to put yourself at risk of losing the game by making even more mistakes. So, no, I, I like, I've always liked uh, Kyle's um, game management. There's no doubt in the eyes of the entire league and, and the world that he's probably one of the best play callers in the world. And he's it, showing it by, you, you know, we, we don't lose many games by many points. It's not happened that well. So uh, he, he can only put the play in and, and then it's the players to, 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 you know, to make them happen the best they can. And sometimes that's not happened. And it's not on him. If he's calling the good play and the guy's open, but the ball isn't thrown, then there's nothing he can do about that. So, yeah. ultimately, I think, uh, until we, we fall into this category where we're going to have to open up the playbook to win games and, and to... If we're winning, I'll, I'll take whatever he gives us. Yeah, definitely. Right, so it's time to put you on the spot about predictions, and I'm just going to build the suspense to, to get that prediction with a little drum roll. Okay. Uh, ten right, and six. So oh, sorry. Ten and, <laughs> ten and six. I just try ten and six. I think that's... Yeah, yeah, so uh, the season prediction, ten and six. Yeah, I think so. I think it's a fair assumption, especially looking at the schedule. Uh, we have some tough games, especially in the back end of the season. Uh, but I see us, yeah, ten and six and winning the division, potentially. So, so to be honest, I mean, I went eight and eight uh, before the start okay. of the season. But now that we've had one game and I've seen other teams play, I'm, I'm inclined to agree with what you just said there. As a ten and six season, it does actually feel like that now that I've seen we, we've getting the first game out the way, um, and it does make us look at who we could beat a little bit differently. Obviously, mm -hmm. that can all change again. It's not how you start, yeah, yeah. it's how you finish. But yeah, 10 and 6, I like that. How about your prediction for Sunday night? I think we're going to win the game comfortably. Uh, the, 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 I know the score last week, 20 to 21 to the Seahawks. People, I think people think the Seahawks are better than what they are. Uh, they've lost so many players and, and, and haven't replenished them. I, I think both of those teams were actually quite bad. And uh, I think we're probably going to put, I'd say, three touchdowns on them. So I'm, I'm going to go uh, 35 to 14. That's, that's a big score, that one. 35 to 14, did you say? Yeah, that's what I said, yeah. Is that three yeah. touchdowns? Almost. Right. That's, so that's... I've, I've gone for a decent win, but not as big as that. So I think it's going to be 49ers 24, Bengals 13. Okay. So, yeah, so that's two 49er wins there, so that's good. So next thing is bold predictions for offense and defense. It could be an offensive player and a defensive player. It might be an offense as a group bold prediction, whatever you want. Uh, as in for the for this game or the season in general? Just for the season. For, for the, the season. season. Uh, oh, that's a tough one. That's a very tough one. Uh, a bold prediction uh, for the offense. I think uh, I think Debo Samuel will end up with uh, over 800 yards and uh, and let's say eight touchdowns. Uh, I, th I think he showed us in the first game that he can play. And uh, if Kyle starts trusting, especially with the Dante Pettis uh, story, that's 
that's come about, which uh, is quite worrying, actually. But if Thibaut can uh, can step up and take this place, I, th- I think it'll be big for us. And yeah, let's say 800 yards and uh, and eight touchdowns by the end of the season for for Thibaut. Yeah, that's a decent return for a rookie. So mm-hmm. what about defense? I think our defense is going to finish top, uh, let's say top seven, because I can't see it top five, but I say our defense is going to finish top seven. If Nick Bosa can stay healthy, uh, we showed that uh, we can push people to make mistakes and get some picks and get you know, turnovers and limit, limit people. I, I can't remember how many yards we allowed, but it wasn't that many. Uh, so I think our defense is going to finish top seven. Fantastic. Right. Thank you very much, Naji, for providing some excellent analysis and insightful views on the 49ers. It was a pleasure having you on the show, and I hope you um, will want to come back on one day this uh, season. Yeah, absolutely. It was a pleasure. It was really fun. Uh, thank you for having me. Thank you for taking the time to sort everything out. Uh, go Niners. Go Niners. Right, guys. Thanks a lot to everyone who listens to the show. It is you that makes all this worthwhile doing. Don't forget to like and rate us on iTunes because that is very important. And always make sure you are subscribed so you get the podcast as they are published. Enjoy the game on Sunday and I look forward to the review show when I'll be joined by Ian Lane Montrose, who is based out in California, to discuss what I hope will be our second win of the season. Catch you later, guys. See ya. San Francisco 49ers deep in the heart Like Joe Montana in the corner deep Clark Garrison Hurst, Stiff Farm going 99 Don't get it twisted, one and all with prime time John Taylor, Jerry Rice down the sideline NDB, greatest owner of all time Groovy, Walgreens, Bill Belichick Where all students of Bill Walsh don't ever forget